Well, good morning. Welcome to Barrel Life Church. Who's excited to be in the house today? Come on, make a little bit of noise. We're excited to be here. Yes. Look at the person beside you and say, I'm glad you're here today. Tell them, say, I'm glad you're here today. Tell them, go ahead. Look back at them and say, can you believe you lose an hour of sleep next week? Tell them right now, I can't believe I lose an hour of sleep next week. Right? But you get an extra hour of daylight. We want to welcome you to Bear Life Church. Thanks so much for coming hanging out with us today. We want to welcome you here at Moorhead Campus. Also to welcome our Grayson Campus. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and being here with us as well. Also want to welcome everybody watching online. Today's a very special day because our campus pastor, Grayson, is going to be preaching here, Pastor Aaron. And I just want to share a little story real quick what happened last year. You know, we are going through some transition to staffing at our Grayson Campus. And uh, we're like, how are we going to find someone from Carter County? How are we going to find someone from the Grayson area, you know, to come and, and be the campus pastor? And, and uh, so we'll figure out how we're going to promote that or how we're going to advertise that. And, and uh, Pastor Adam, our executive pastor, he, gave, he, he said, listen, somebody's reached in and asked about the campus pastor position from Grayson. I was like, really? From <laughs> Who would even know that we're even looking for him right now? And he goes, I'm going to go eat lunch. I was like, okay, whatever, go eat lunch with him. He comes back. He says, dude, you got to meet this guy. You got to meet this guy, uh, Aaron. You got to just check him out, man, and have lunch or something. I said, okay, okay, schedule, schedule. So I did what any good person does when you interview someone, you take them to Cracker Barrel. Can I get a witness? Because if you're country, I'm going to see what you're going to order. You know what I'm saying? You could tell what somebody by what they ordering. And so we sat down and immediately, man, I fell in love with him and his family and I'm telling you, his heart for Jesus. And the first time I saw him, I, saw, I sized him up. I said, okay, he's going to help the height advantage here at our church, number one. Number two, can he play ball? I heard he was a baller. Say, for two and two, maybe we'll be a good duo. And then third, I thought, man, we're twins. He's, he's like a twin to me, like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger twin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You'll see that just in a moment. And so when we, I fell in love with him and his family, and immediately we said, you know what? Our, our hearts bear witness with each other, the vision, the mission of really seeing the gospel spread all over the community and all over uh, this region. And I thought, you know what? This is the dude. This is the guy who needs to lead our Grayson campus. So come on, Grayson. You better give up. I want to hear it through the camera. I want you to get up for your campus pastor here at Grayson. Come on, would you welcome Aaron to the stage? Just a little, just a little. <laughs> oh, well, it is so good to be here with you uh, this morning. I'm telling you, it's just been it's just been so exciting to see what God has done uh, through the city of Grayson, and just it's been awesome just getting to be getting to be a part of. It. Those are just some extremely kind words from from Pastor Daniel. But you know, I need to speak first to my Grayson, my Grayson campus. Listen, guys, I love you. I'm just so, so excited about what God is doing there. I want to give a huge shout out to Caleb and Misty working kids in the productions. You guys kill it. And then our team, I could not do it without you. You know, people ask me, hey, how's the Grayson campus doing? I said, it's great. I said, God's doing great things there. But the reason why, because I got a great team. I got a great team. I got a great group of people around me that just wants to see a community transform. Come on now. And so we're super excited about that and what God is doing there. And here coming up May 6th, we're going to be making our team just a little bit bigger. I want you to get make just, just a lot of noise because Brandon Sparks is going to be leading the way with our youth ministry come May 6th. Come on. So excited. Brandon, I love you. Man, he's uh, not here with us today. He's having a lot of fun in Gatlinburg this weekend, but I'm just so excited about what God is going to do through him uh, in that region. I'm telling you, it's crazy. 
It's crazy the amount of students, the amount of teenagers there are right around Grayson. Within 20 minutes, you can be at four different high schools, four different middle schools. It's incredible. we got thousands of students that we can reach and that we can have an impact and change family trees. You see, a lot of you may have been here today because your youth, your teenagers started going to youth first. And then now you started coming to church with them, and now family trees are forever changed. And so we are just super excited to see what God is going to do there. But you know, we are one church in two locations, and we are united together to reach this region and to see God just transforms, transform lives today. And we are unified, we are one body, and we are together in this. You know, today I got the opportunity, or I get the opportunity to speak about community and really, you can see the boxes outside. This is our group's launch. But really what I want to hit at today is the enemy of community. And that enemy is isolation. See, the enemy wants to do nothing more than to isolate you. He wants to isolate your family. He wants to isolate your wife. He wants to isolate all those that are sitting here. He wants to isolate you. And today, we want to tackle that isolation. We want to tackle it today as a church. And we're going to do that by speaking truth. I do that by speaking truth. The greatest tool the enemy uses against the believers and the church is isolation. See, God does not bring us into fellowship with him and make us a part of his people to function in isolation. We are part of a team. You know, what you're going to get today, you're going to get three sides of me. You're going to get the pastor, you're going to get the teacher, and you're going to get the coach. Let me get coach. Let me just bring coach out for you for a second. For four years, I had the great opportunity of coaching the West Car Lady Comets and just had so much fun. But there was this play that we would like to draw up, and we would call it, we wouldn't even draw it up. We just call it the isolation, the good old ISO. And when I say I take my, one of my top players, I say, you take the ball to the point, everybody else go four low, and you're going one-on-one because I believe that there was a mismatch or there was something there that I knew that we could take advantage of. You know, that was also something whenever I played. I, you know, I used to, be, used to be a little bit of a bother back in the day. Back in the day, Round County did beat me in my senior year uh, region. Still a little bitter, but it's okay. It's okay. I'm past it, I guess. I'm past it. But you know, whenever I played, I'd have somebody like Pastor Daniel, you know, about 5'5", five, five, he'd come out and guard me. And then I'd say, I'd say, come on now. I'd say, oh, it's over. It's over. And we just take a little move, and then we go score. That's what would happen. That's what happened. Or what I would love, this is the second thing that would happen, or we would make a move in isolation, and then all of a sudden I've drawn another defender, and then my boy Kyle Brown's in the quarter rate, knocked down a three, and I'm like, all day, all day he drops that, all day. But I knew that if this broke down, that I had people that, that were around me that I knew and that I trusted, that I trusted. But, you know, sometimes it isn't always like that with all the players on the team. You all know this as well as I do, that sometimes isolation can become very negative and be, can become the only way that some want to play the game. So you got some that just cares all about themselves, and they think, oh, yeah, I've got a 6'5 guy. Here I am. You know, I'm six foot. It's like, oh, I can take him all day. I'm better. And all of a sudden, he makes a move, step back, fade a, it doesn't even hit the rim. And then he does it over and over and over. He's saying, oh, yeah, I got this. I don't know, it just slipped that last time. You know, he begins to believe that he 
is better and that he can do this all on his own. He begins to not identify with the other four players on the court. Or the other one is, and I've seen this a lot as a coach, that the player cared more about what the parent or grandparents said after the game, and that's what drove them. Whenever they caught it, Johnny shot it. You know what I mean? That was the only way it happened. Whenever he caught it, that baby's going up, and everybody in the gym knew that it was going up because whenever he got home, he knew that his mom and dad would say, why didn't you shoot it 20 times? You were open. It's like, What? As a coach, that would just kill me because you know what happens? That begins to affect how you play the game and how you relate to others on the team. Or the third one was some people just get the fear that once I give it up, I'm not, giving it, I'm not going to get it back. So I'm never passing it. I'm going to try to go one-on-one every chance I can so that I can score. You see, isolation can be good in some instances. It can be good whenever you see a mismatch, whenever you see that there is an opportunity that you can take on against your opponent. You know, with Jesus, we've seen that he drew away from others. He drew himself, you could call it isolation, but he really wasn't isolated because he was always with God. You see, the good type of drawing away from others is whenever you decide to go and to rest, recover, and pray in prayer with God. That's the good side, but it's not the way to play the game. Jesus was constantly surrounded by people. He had 12 disciples that were constantly pouring into him, and he was developing, and he was, and he was pouring into them. See, the isolation is a play, but it's not the way to play the game. And so today, we want to tackle the lies that a lot of us are believing, just like a lot of players. A lot of players believe that you know, if they take 20 shots, they're going to win. Probably not. It takes a team. It takes a team. It takes a community of believers to win. So let's address some of the lies today. And let me know if you've ever said any of these. Number one is, I don't have time. Number one, I don't have time. That begins to be the first lie that we will will say to ourselves, that we begin to believe that will draw us away from the community of God. You'll, You'll say, I don't have time. And you know what the first thing you'll cut is church. Sunday will be the first day that maybe you've had off. It's the only day you don't have anything planned. You'll say, no, 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 we aren't going to go to church. And before you know it, that one Sunday becomes two Sundays, and then it becomes three Sundays. And then before you know it, you've gone one Sunday out of the four, and then you begin to question, well, it's like, I just don't feel very connected. I just don't really know what's going on. I just feel so distant from from my church. You haven't been here. Of course that's how you're going to feel. Of course that's how you're going to feel. But our first step into isolation, the first step to isolation, is taking a step away from God's people. You take a step away from God's people and God's church, the enemy can easily take you down. See, the enemy wants to isolate you so that he can assassinate you. And the first step in that is stepping away from God's people. See, or you're just so busy right now that you don't have time for others. You don't have time for community outside of church. Some of us need to go back and listen to the Hurry series again. Pastor Daniel made this this awesome, awesome statement that we have to learn to say no to good things so that we can say yes to the best things. And we are as guilty of it as you all. Whenever we do get time, who gets it? Whenever we do have free time, who gets it? Ourselves. 
We say, I need this. I need time to myself. And you know what happens? You've had a rough week. You've got time in the evenings. You've got time every evening. And what you'll do, you'll just sit there. You know what I mean? And you'll just scroll for hours, hours. Or if it's Monday night, you'll be watching The Bachelor. Can I get an amen? Come on now. Team Madison? Any Team Madisons out there? Yeah, let's do it. My wife makes me. My wife makes me. I don't choose this. My wife makes me. Just definitely the girl. Definitely the girl in the relationship, PD. Definitely the girl. But we can begin to make these decisions, these choices that can draw us away from community. The second thing, the second lie that we can tell ourselves, I can do this on my own. See, so many players, that's what drives them to play the way that they do because they believe that they can just do it on their own, that they can go one versus five and win. It's our pride. Our pride gets us in the way of our community. Our pride gets us in our way. It's the belief that you don't need others in your life, that you don't need others to challenge you, to care for you, to make you better. Why is this so dangerous? Why is this one so dangerous? It's dangerous because you begin to believe that you can do this life on your own, on your own strength and your own abilities. And then whenever everything hits the fan, you know what happens? You break. You crumble. Because you then realize that on your own strength and your own abilities, you can't make it. You can't make it. This one's really tough if you're an introvert. Any introverts in the house? Come on now. Any introverts in the house? I live with one. I live with one. Listen, if it was up to me, I would have dinner at somebody's house every single night on them, of course, and we would just like have community all the time and just be around people all the time. And my wife on the other side of it, she's going to be in a blanket on the couch with her boys and just loving life. I just want to be home. This is where I, I just love it. And so we have to balance each other out. We have, to, we have to fight this battle. I have to go more towards the time that I need rest. I need time with God. I need time with my family. But then also my wife has to battle that, that we need others. We need community. Because if, if it was up to her and she didn't, we didn't fight this thing, we would spend every single evening at her home watching Netflix and Bachelor reruns, if you know what I'm saying. You know exactly what I'm saying because you all are in the same boat. This is, these are lies that I have told myself over and over again. But it's the belief that you can do it on your own. The third one is, and this is one of my favorite ones, I'm not isolated. Pastor Aaron, you're not talking to me. I'm not isolated. I'm not isolated at all. Look at, I know every single person in this room. They know my name. I mean, I just, no, they don't. But you know every single person in this room. And here's what you got. You've got acquaintances. You see, you know everybody, and you think everybody knows you, but deep down, nobody really knows you. Because deep down, you never let anybody in. See, the acquaintances are just surface level. We never allow anybody to go deep, never allow anybody to, to understand who we really are, or get into the mess of our lives. Pastor Daniel did a great message last week on toxic friends versus true friends. You know, toxic friends complain, they control, they tempt. But true friends, they encourage you. They give good advice. They make you better. 
Pastor Daniel said he calls them fridge friends. You know what I call them? I'm coming over to your house and you don't have the time to clean friends. You know what I'm saying? Can I get an amen? That's like just made some of you cringe. No, that's the type of friend I want to be. I want to be the person that can come over to your house and you feel comfortable knowing that the kids have destroyed it and there's food on the floor. It's a mess. Roomba didn't do his job very well and it's okay. That's the type of friends that I want. And that's the type of friend that I want to be. Yes, they can go through my fridge, but they also know that I may not clean and I may just stay in my pajamas. And they need to be okay with that. Those are the type of friends that I want in my life. They don't fake it. They're real. They're honest. They understand. They have messy, messy living rooms just like what we do. It's not all put together. It's not all put together. That's a true friend. That's a true friend. Line number four. Line number four. I have no one. And this one's tough. This one's extremely tough. This one gets down to your beliefs and your feelings about yourself. You begin to ask this question, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? It's the belief that you are the problem, that people don't want to surround themselves with you because you're the issue. Nobody can be your friend. Nobody likes you. That's all the things that you begin to believe. And a lot of this is driven by your past. A lot of this is driven by your past relationships, past heartbreaks. Uh, people have abandoned you. People have forgotten you. People have hurt you in bad, bad ways. And so what we begin to do, we begin to protect ourselves. We begin to protect ourselves because we don't want to get anybody close. Because the last time that somebody got close, they broke your heart. They broke your heart. And they left you just shattered on the floor. And so we begin to believe that it was all because of me. It was all because of my own problems. What this does is this leads to protection and we don't want to get close. You see, all four of, the, four of these lies, if you notice, start with yourself. See, isolation starts with I. Isolation starts with I. It's your own beliefs, it's your own pressures that have driven you to believe these lies that the devil has put into your life to isolate you from the community of believers. It's our own beliefs. Proverbs 18.1 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. All sound judgment. We are not meant to live in isolation. We are meant to live in community. You know, in order for us to be spiritually transformed, there are three things that we need. We need God's Word. We need God's Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And we need a community of believers in our lives that are pouring into us, that are helping us live this life for Jesus. So today I want to speak some truth into your life. I want to speak some truth. I want to, we want to take down the lies that right now have just crippled you, that have got you in this box of isolation. We want to break down these walls today with truths. I encourage you today, go to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. That's where we're going to be living today. Verses 1 through 6. If you've got your Bibles or your phone, you can go ahead and turn there. But let's get to our truths. Truth number one. You are not alone. You are not alone. Some of you today need to hear that. You need to understand that you are not alone. See, when we go to our team, you know, we all have the same jersey on. 
And some of you right now need to look down and see across your jersey, it says Christian, because that's who you're playing for. That's what we play for, who you are. It is your identity on this team. You are a Christian. How do we know this? What does this really mean? We're going to go to two verses here. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and through me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me. That's a key word. Some of you need to know this today. Who loves you. Who loves you. And he gave himself for me and for you. Today, believe that. Believe that. John 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. See, here we are. We have somebody that loves us, somebody that gave his life for us, and he wants to be in a relationship, in a friendship with you. It's our identity. Our identity is found in him and what he has done. You know, preparing for this message, I've got certain people that I go to, and I was just like, I want you to pour into my life, and I want you to just hear some of the points that I'm talking about today. And there's this woman at our church I respect so much. And I was going over the points with her, and she said, Aaron, you're missing one. You're missing one. See, some people don't choose isolation. Isolation chooses them. And some of you today have lost a husband, you've lost a wife, you've lost a child, you've lost a best friend, and you have had heartache beyond what you could ever, ever imagine. You did not choose the isolation that you feel right now. You did not choose that. And her wise words to me, she had lost her husband, and she said, the way I made it through, the way I made it through this was that my identity was not in who my husband was. It was not in our marriage, but it was in Christ and what he has done for me. It was in Christ. She had her foundation in Christ, not in her spouse. It was in Christ, not in a friend. It was in Christ, not in a child, or a, not a son or a daughter. See, me and my wife, we cannot, I cannot have my identity in my wife. That's not, we are married, we are connected, but God is first. God is first. That is where I found my identity. And some of you today need to remember that, that you are a Christian, that you are loved by God, that you are a friend of God, and you are forever His. Truth number two, you are part of a team. You are part of a team. You see, some of you right now, you need to get your eyes off the goal, and you need to realize that there are other people playing ball with you. You aren't going one on five. It's five on five. It's equal here today. And you've got people around you that wants to help you, that wants to pour, pour themselves into you and have life with you. We can see this in versions, or in Ephesians verse 2. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. You know what the opposite of pride is? Humility. The opposite of pride is humility. And I love this illustration that pride is like a mirror. 
Pride is like a mirror. You see, the mirror is facing you. It's not facing me. And so whenever you start to talk about me or you start to point things out that, you know, maybe you can improve, you say, no, I'm good. You need to check yourself out. You need to look at yourself because I'm good. I don't have any issues. I don't have any problems. You see, humility is the opposite of that. Humility is like a window. We allow people to see into our lives. We allow people to see who we really are who we really are and what God, we get a lot of people to see the mess, a lot of people to see the realness that we are living our life in and the mistakes that we make. And it's okay. It's okay. True, through, through true humility, we can begin to put others before ourselves. And it also encourages us to be gentle and be patient. My goodness, isn't that tough? That's tough sometimes, isn't it? You know why that's tough sometimes? Because being on a team can get messy. It can get very, very messy. Patience, gentleness, and love. Come on now. Try doing that on a girls' basketball team for a whole season. Come on. Anybody else know my pain? You ever coach girls? You ought to try coaching girls' basketball. You're talking about messy. There was this one Valentine's Day. It's a nightmare of a day for any coach and probably father. One girl didn't get any flowers. No flowers. Another girl didn't get a present. You know what we did for the first 30 minutes of practice? We cried. That was what we did. We cried. And it continued on for who knows how long. And practice, at that point, it was just like, we should just go to the house. We should just go to the house. But it gets extremely messy because girls are mean. <laughs> girls are mean. <laughs> It's one thing I learned for sure. Girls are mean. Teenage girls are mean. And what you'll see is like one day it's like, hey, love you so much. BFF is on everything, everything. Facebook, Instagram, you're my BFF. And then the next day, did you see what she said about me? Can you believe that she did? And then she's got like five others that are over here. And then the one girl's just like, hey, no, no, no. Girls are mean. Girls are me. But see, sometimes that's the way it is. Sometimes things get messy on the team. Sometimes there's going to be disagreements. Sometimes there's going to be faults. Sometimes there's going to be things that, that happen that are going to try to divide you and separate you and isolate you. And it's going to happen in a church. You're going to have disagreements. Hey, but guess what? It's okay. It's okay. We work through it through patience, through gentleness. And ultimately, through love. Through love. The next truth is, you have to fight for unity. You have to fight for it. You have to fight for it. See, you must make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You see, at any point, isolation can begin to creep back in. At any point, Isolation can begin to creep back in and you begin to just have some bitterness that will begin to well up inside of you. There'll be some jealousy that will begin to well up inside of you. You know, you have one teammate that just scored 20-some points and you only had five. And then the next game you go out and your mentality is no longer if we win or not, but it's how many more points that you can score than the person. And the same thing happens in the community of believers. We can have bitterness, we can have jealous, jealousy that begins to well up inside of us that can begin to isolate us. So we must, we must make every effort, make every effort to keep, the key word is keep, 
Keep means that something can be lost. So our unity can be lost if we allow these things to come and dwell up inside of us, to allow our pride to drive us instead of humility and gentleness and patience. We have to fight for unity. Number four, you share the same story. This is a truth that we have got to hit home, that you and I share the same story. And what I mean by that is you and I share the same transformation. Some of you right now have had pasts that are way different than mine. There are things in your life that have just been horrific that I have not had to experience. That God's grace may be, may be bigger for you than maybe it is for me. But it's this idea that we both, that we all share this story. We all share the same story. You see, if we read verses 4 through 6, see, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You see, this is the point that we are united, that we are unified by the faith that we have in Jesus and the transformation that he has made on our lives. You see, the point is, you cannot deny your story. You cannot deny it. That is the one truth that you get to carry and you get to hold. When the devil begins to try to isolate you and tell you these lies, you can believe and remember whose you are and what Christ has done. You cannot ever deny your story. Hang on to it. Share it. Allow that to unify you as a church. That you have the one hope, one faith, one Lord, one God named Jesus Christ who hopped on a cross for you and died for your sins. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. And because of the faith that we have in him, the Bible tells us that we get to live life eternal. We are united. We are united together by our faith. And the last one, the truth is, You have a unified purpose. You have a unified purpose. Verses 14 through 16. It says, Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You see, through what Christ has done, we are called to grow in unity, to grow in maturity, and to grow in love with one another. Mark Henry says it this way, mutual love among Christians is a great friend to spiritual growth. It is in love that the body edifies itself, whereas a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. It cannot stand. You can't have two hearts in a body. You can't have two hearts in a body. You can only have one heart beating at the same time for the same reason, for the same purpose. 
one church in two locations means that we are one body here for this region to reach the lost, to change family trees, and to give hope, to give hope in the name of Jesus. We are unified for a special purpose in this region. We're connected. We're gifted. Each of you are gifted. Did you know that you're gifted? It's all throughout Scripture. Love it. You're one in seven billion. You need to remind yourself of that. You're unique. You're special. You're created. And no part of the body can function by itself. So don't believe the lies of isolation. Hold on to the truths today. Hold on to the truths of community. And may we dwell in them. May we commit to them. May we commit to unity and community as believers of Christ. So I ask this one question. How do we fight for community as a church? How do we fight for community? How do we do that? We can take hold of those truths. But I believe there's a step that we can all take today. Pastor Daniel says it all the time that you don't need to know everybody here at Better Life Church, but you do need to know somebody. And my call for you today is to take that one step further. You need to make somebody known. You need to make somebody known today. And what, is that? what do I mean when I say that? Some of you may know mine and Emily's story, but we had, making this transition wasn't the easiest transition in our life. I had to say no to a basketball team that's saying I wouldn't be their coach. I had to say no to a school and tell them that I would no longer be a teacher with them. I would no longer be influencing their students. And then one of the hardest was I had to tell a youth group that I would no longer be their youth pastor. And so when we made the transition, boy, did we feel isolated. We felt like we had just burnt every bridge that we had. We felt like people were mad. We felt like people were angry at us. Were they? Probably not. Probably not. But you know what the devil wanted to tell us? None of them will ever like you. None of them will ever still love you. You're on your own now. You're on your own. And we begin to believe these things. It was tough. And then we go to a new church to where we only know a handful of people. And at the same time, we knew that some were foreign, but then we knew some that were just like waiting for us to mess up. Or at least that's what I thought. At least that's what I thought. That there were people there that just wanted to break us down, that didn't want to see us succeed. Once again, lies. Once again, lies, not truth. And so we were there a couple weeks, and then all of a sudden we had a couple come up to us, and they say, hey, Aaron, Emily, what are you all doing? What are you all doing on Sunday night? I said, nothing. So we don't have any plans. So we got a small group going. Why don't you guys jump in and join us? And the extrovert me is thinking, yes, let's go. Emily's like, oh, man, Sunday nights. I don't know. She's like, no, Emily, let's do it. Let's do it. It's going to be great. She's like, all right, you know, we need this. As a family, we need this. And so we decided to go to group that Sunday night. Little did they know, we know, they didn't tell us this. There's like 20 kids. 20 kids. Come on now. 10 adults, 20 kids. What that means is some couples have like four kids. We got multiple, multiple four-kid families. Come on. That's craziness. Craziness. Praise God for upstairs. Praise God for upstairs where the kids can play and have fun and destroy a toy room that we don't have to pick up. Amen. Amen for that. 
But they invited us into their community. And slowly, over time, we begin to develop this incredible relationship with all those in that group. We got to be real. We got to be honest. We got to make each other better. And we're a unified group of believers just trying to follow Jesus every single day of our lives. And we were able to encourage and help one another. And now I consider them some of my best friends. Some of my best friends. When we talk about top five, top five is in that group. Those are people I didn't have in my life nine months ago. I didn't have them in my life nine months ago. There's also a group that we meet with on Thursday nights. You're thinking, wow, Aaron, you're busy. No, 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 no. Let me hear, hear this one out. I had some great friends that I had left um, from work. So one of my best friends was at work, and we just weren't seeing each other. I said, listen, man, the groups was launching in the fall. I said, hey, let's just start a group. And the only reason we really started the group was so that we had a reason that we were going to commit to each other. And we picked up a box, and for the past six months, we have been meeting every Wednesday or Thursday night as a couple, just wanting to pour into each other. Our, my son and his, their daughter would get to play together. we get to build an incredible relationship. But all it takes, all it takes is an invite. All it takes is making someone known. And so today, some of you all, that may be your first step that you need to take. You got people right now that's coming to your mind that you know you need to make known. Some people right here in these seats are isolated. They've got these walls that are surrounding them. They can't break through it. You are the tool that God wants to use to pull people out of isolation. Grab a box. Start a group. Begin to build a community. Begin to build your top five. There's power in a box. But some of you today, you need to experience what true community is really like. And true community only happens when you know who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you and you fully accept that. Some of you today, we want to encourage you to put the jersey on. We would love to pray with you and let you begin to experience what a true friendship is like, what true love is like. My grandfather used to sing this song, Gone Away with a Friend. Oh yeah gone away with a friend, closer, someone that's closer than a brother. There's this famous line at the end of it that says, may I read on my tombstone, gone away with a friend. So what I want to encourage you today, if you don't know who Jesus is, if you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior, I would love to take that step with you today. I want to encourage you all across the auditorium to bow your heads with us this morning. Today, Jesus wants to be your friend. Jesus wants to break down the walls that have isolated you and welcome you into the family. He's already done that. Just will you accept him? I'm going to ask you to say a prayer after me. And Pastor Daniel says this all the time, that a prayer won't save you. But your lips can declare what your heart desires. And today, if your heart desires to know who Jesus is, then I pray, pray this prayer after me. Lord, I need you. 
Jesus, I believe you came for me. I believe you died on a cross for me. I believe you rose out of the grave for me. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I put my faith and trust in you and help me follow you all the days of my life. Listen, if you prayed that prayer this morning, listen, we want to help you. We want to, we want to begin to build that community around you. we got some incredible people in the Next Steps area that wants to pray with you, that wants to help you and give you resources to lead you on this journey. And I encourage you to do something bold. As soon as we're done, to go and take your steps, to go to the Next Steps room and allow someone to pray with you. And let's allow God to transform you, transform this journey that you're on. Guys, it's been a great place to be this morning. It's been awesome getting to be with you this Sunday morning. I just want to encourage you, if you've been thinking about picking up a box, pick up a box, begin to draw people in, bring, start pulling people into your community. God will provide. God will allow the conversations to happen to lead to this friendship with Him and with others. We must be united. We cannot be isolated. And today, it may be just picking up a box. So we want to encourage you today, if you've been thinking about it even a little bit, grab a box this morning. Would you pray with me today? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for the friendship that we can have through your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Today, I pray a special prayer over those today that are believing the lies or that feel just isolated, don't feel united, don't feel connected today, God. Lord, we pray that you begin to break down those walls and that we can begin to, to have community as a whole, Lord, but that you would also start to bring people into others' lives that they need, God, to experience true community, true friendship today. Lord, I pray for all the boxes that are picked up today and last weekend, Lord. May you bless them. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for joining us at Better Life Church. If you'd love to discover more about how you can take your next step with Christ, We'd love for you to visit betterlife.church slash next steps. There you will find help and resources for whatever step God has for you. If you enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to subscribe and be part of our community. You can also join us live on Sundays or find more resources at betterlife.church. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.